In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Travel rewards is probably the one topic that I get the most questions about. And quite honestly, it was a topic that seemed really elusive and complicated for me for so many years. But now I can't imagine really what our trips would look like without them, quite honestly. It has given us the freedom and the flexibility to really travel within our means and understand the rules to optimize our travel budget. I was anti-credit card going into this. I really thought that this was kind of a scam and a hoax and illegal in some way, shape or form. But today I hold at least six different credit cards in my wallet at any given time. And because my husband and I are in two player mode, he also has three to four travel credit cards in his wallet. And we do this all with the lens towards optimizing our taxable income, but also maintaining our family budget. It's actually decreased since we engaged in travel rewards. It's actually decreased our travel budget. And we still hold a really strong financial position with a strong credit score. So this was one of the reasons why I wanted to have Melissa Lagerquist on, because there are literally hundreds of resources that can guide you through travel rewards. However, When you look at a lot of them, many of the tips are not necessarily designed to be family friendly. And so Melissa has been in this space for over a decade, probably, and has her own personal experience in navigating it. She has her own family that she takes with her on different trips. And she also has just a different lens. She's more engaged in cruises and some of the travels that way that are very different from us. So I thought it would be a good way to expose listeners to a way to approach travel rewards with the lens. I'm really excited to have her here today. Melissa is a freelance writer, a travel hacker, a cruise expert, a military spouse, and a mom of two adolescent boys. She's been playing the travel hacking game for well over a decade and has substantial knowledge in the nuances to travel rewards, but also significant insights and experience for families wherever you are in this travel rewards journey. So with that, well, Melissa, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here today. We're going to just get an insight into travel rewards. So can you help listeners understand where did your travel rewards story begin? Yeah, I think with travel rewards, everyone's familiar with frequent flyer miles, flying just regular trips across the country or around the world. You know, they collect their miles and eventually they accumulate enough to redeem them for uh, free tickets someplace. Mm hmm. In the, in the travel rewards world, though, one of the better ways to accumulate points is with credit cards. These co-branded credit cards like American Airlines or United, they have relationships with these credit card issuers and they incentivize users to apply for the credit cards with large bonus points for meeting a certain amount of spend in a certain amount of time. You may earn 50,000 miles. 
So instead of actually flying those 50,000 miles, you'll earn a huge chunk all in one effort. Yeah. And so how long have you been doing this? And how did you what was your first redemption? Maybe that's kind of a fun story. (laughs) Um, Well, when I first started out getting travel rewards, it was the hard way. It was the way most people I think, think of earning these rewards. I traveled for my job, you know, one to two times a month, usually cross country trips. So I was earning, you know, 2000 miles here, 3000 miles there, maybe a little 500 mile trip. And I just slowly accumulated miles. And I hadn't really done much with them. When I met my husband, he was, or he still is, active duty Navy. (laughs) He was in the Navy at the time. And we'd only been dating for about three weeks. And he was stationed aboard an aircraft carrier at the time. And they were going to be going out to sea for exercises. Very common, happens all the time. And during this particular exercise, they were going to be pulling into Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, to host the premiere of the movie Pearl Harbor, if you remember that. Oh my gosh, yeah. I think I'm showing my age now. (laughs) So the premiere was going to be on the flight deck of the aircraft carrier. So in this time period when they were going to be gone, I think it was like six weeks or something, they were going to be pulling in for that week. And I think my husband was a little nervous that we had just started dating and didn't want me to forget about him or whatever. So he asked me if I would come out to Hawaii and meet them when they were pulled in for the movie premiere. It was short notice, but I had all these miles and looked it up. And sure enough, I was able to redeem miles to get this round trip ticket to Hawaii with, you know, virtually no, no cost. It was whatever the taxes were at the time and um, go and spend that week with him. And, you know, I didn't even have to think about it because it was essentially free to me. And why not? So, you know, I think that was probably my best redemption ever. That's awesome. And now, obviously, you've mentioned a couple of times that frequent flyers are kind of the old school way of doing it. And now there's a lot of opportunity in the credit card space. And I'll just talk through my own understanding was I, I thought that impacted your credit score. And it seemed really when you come from a mindset of like credit cards are bad from if you're in that mindset, it was scary for me to get my toes involved. So what would you say for someone who's just kind of understanding this credit card idea of travel rewards? What kind of myths can you dispel from either out of the gate or just things you've learned through your own experience? Yeah, you know, the ironic thing is, is that you get it started with this and your credit score will actually go up. Um, (laughs) Shocking to me when I first heard about it, because I was very much anti credit card, you know, I had gone to uh, graduate school, I had tons of student loans, I, you know, had accumulated credit card debt at the time. And once I had paid all of that off, I was anti debt, I didn't want to use credit cards and even be tempted to go into debt. So I used a debit card or cash for pretty much everything for years and years and years. So I had a great credit score. If we had any credit cards that we were carrying zero balance on them, or if we did make a purchase on them, they were paid off right away. Our credit score was good. Didn't want to do anything to impact that. Well, at one point I stumbled across an article that talked about travel hacking using travel rewards credit cards. And I started reading it and was shocked to hear that it doesn't impact your credit score, or if it does, it's very minor, and then your credit score will actually improve. And the more I started reading about how your credit score is calculated, it made sense. So one of the big portions of your how your credit score is determined is credit utilization. So the more credit that a lender has offered you, the higher your score 
if you're not utilizing all of it. So say you have a credit card with a $1,000 limit on it. If you have a $500 balance on it, you're using 50% of your credit utilization. And that's not good. But if you have like $5 on it, your credit utilization is dramatically lower. And that's where you get a higher credit score. So once you start opening multiple credit cards, if you're paying them off all of the time, your available credit is huge and your credit utilization is very low. And that helps bump up your credit score. Right. And I mean, that's the caveat, right, is paying them off every month. So I think that's the key is making sure you're still paying off the balance. And there is require spends within a certain time frame, correct, from the time you're opening? Yes, yes, absolutely. Nobody should be getting into using credit cards to earn travel rewards if they cannot pay it off in full at the end of every month. The amount that you're going to earn in travel rewards is not worth whatever interest that you're going to pay. So if you want to do this, absolutely make sure you can do that. Yeah, some of the bonuses require a certain amount of spending within, say, like the first three months is normal for one of these bonus offers. You may have to spend $500 within three months. You may have to spend $5,000 within three months. So I think it's always good to have a plan to meet your minimum spend bonus and know what the date is that you have to meet it by. Because I've heard so many stories from people who thought that they the date they had to meet it by was this, and they missed it by a week, or they had a return that they didn't calculate in, and they ended up missing it. So have a plan, know your dates. I think it's also important to know the specific rules that each credit card issuer has. Like Chase, for instance, has a an unofficial rule that's commonly referred to as 524 in the travel reward space. Mm, yeah. um, it means that you are limited to having five new personal credit card accounts opened within the last 24 months. And once you meet that threshold, they will not issue you any more of their cards, whether it's business or personal. And that's all cards, right? So if you have like a Macy's card or a, it's not necessarily just a travel rewards card, it's any right. card. Yeah. Right. If, you, if you've opened four Chase cards and then one Citibank card, you're at 524. It shows up on your credit score and that's what they're counting, not how many you've opened through them. And it also unfortunately includes authorized users. So if you've added your spouse to your credit card account to help you meet that minimum spend within the three month time frame, and they go to open a card account that authorized user card is going to count against them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of little nuances. And I think that's part of why people don't necessarily engage is it does get it quickly complicated. But you could also keep it, I'm at like the 200 level. (laughs) (laughs) I need my life to still be simple enough. And one of the things I learned are just some tips on the front end. So there's kind of two phases, and maybe I'm wrong, but I see it as two phases. There's the accumulation phase and then the redemption phase. And there's kind of some rules and strategies to both. So you mentioned a couple in you know, the accumulation phase, there's the sign on and the bonus, obviously, and making sure you don't sign up for too many credit cards within any other within a certain time frame. Is there any other strategies you think about in the accumulation phase of when you're trying to earn your travel rewards? Uh, Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people, when they get started, get caught up in it. And they just want to open up credit cards every time they see a good bonus without really having a strategy in mind. So if you don't actually have any travel plans that you want to take, you know, there's nothing wrong with 
opening up the good bonuses as you see them. But if you have a specific trip in mind, say, you know, trip to Hawaii for your family, you want to be a little more strategic about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you obviously you don't want to open up a ton of different airline credit cards because you have hotels to consider or, you know, a rental car or other activities if you want to try and go 100% free and use use points for those activities. So you want to start thinking about if there's a trip in mind, what do you want to try and cover with points and miles and what are the best cards to help get you there? So on the redemption side, I think it's also because I, for a while, felt like I was becoming a a professional at garnering (laughs) points, but didn't necessarily know how to use them or was too afraid to use them because I was like, oh, my gosh, is this a good redemption? Do you have any rules or strategies that help people when they're looking at redemptions? Like what is a good redemption rate? Are there things that are better or worse to look out for? I think a good redemption is one that works for you. (laughs) There are tons of bloggers out there that have points assigned, point values assigned to different airline miles or like Chase Ultimate Rewards points, how much those are worth, and American Express membership rewards, how much those are worth. And there is some truth to those, but I think for a family, it can be especially hard to squeeze out those high values from your redemptions when you're traveling in with four or five people. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those, some of those redemptions involve getting business class awards or first class award tickets. And that's just hard to do with a family. You know, there's maybe not that much availability for those kinds of tickets when you're trying to travel together. So I think you need to do what works for your family. If you don't want to have to go through all of the efforts to try and find the highest redemption that you can. You just want to take the easy way out and use your Chase Ultimate Rewards and book through the Chase Ultimate Rewards portal with them. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Whatever works for you and your family to get you on the trip that you want to go on together. I love that advice. I didn't even think that that was... (laughs) I thought you were going to give me some little tip and I was like, oh my gosh, she's speaking my language. No, I think families. Yeah, because I I do think as a family, you know, when you're traveling as a family, it's really hard to even get there's so many blackout dates and other things that you have to take into consideration. And so or seats together if you have young kids. Yeah, you want to sit together. Right. right. Do you want my four year old? Great. That would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna actually do a separate episode just to walk through our own travel reward story just so people can contextualize because I think there is a lot of information out there. And it's really hard to weed through it all. Yeah. If you were starting today, do you want to talk it all through where to get started? Definitely for someone who's just getting started with travel rewards, the best piece of advice that I can offer is to do your research first. Join some groups where you can ask questions. There are several Facebook groups out there that are devoted to earning and redeeming travel rewards. And, you know, these are people that have been doing it for years or complete newbies out there who are asking questions and everyone just wants to help each other. So, you know, not only read the blog articles that are available, but join these groups so that you can ask questions to make sure that how you think you understand it is really how it is, because there are some nuances there and it can be confusing sometimes, or you read an article and maybe the rules have changed since that article was originally posted. So it definitely helps to be involved in some of these groups. Yeah, I would agree. The rules do change every once in a while. I have found those groups really helpful. Yeah. And then there's some that offer courses too, like 
Choose FI has our own travel rewards course that yeah. Ed T, who was on your show earlier, was the one who actually wrote. <laughs> and and it's super helpful. Yeah, because I think, like you mentioned, there are so many different nuances. I think you do have to just pick one and start because it you're never going to be the expert. And by the time you think you are, it gets outdated really quickly or updated. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about what kind of redemptions? Well, I know 2020 has been tricky, but do you have any redemptions in the future that you're looking forward to just to inspire some of our families that might be thinking about this? What's possible? Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, my family is, uh, we're big cruisers. So 2020 has been just devastating. I am looking at possibly my third cruise being canceled this Uh, year. Yeah. Uh, I have, well, in the third cruise since the pandemic started (laughs) being canceled, I have two more that I'm really hoping (laughs) to take. I've already purchased uh, flights for one of the cruises, so hopefully that one's going to go. Um, I've got half the flights for another one, but we'll just uh, make do. I guess if those don't happen, we'll still go on the, the trips. Yeah. Yeah. Our travel, our big travel, and I'll get into this in another episode, but we, my husband and I both got Companion Pass last year. And so through Southwest. (laughs) And so I was like, we both had 2020 as like our, we were both had good companion pass. And just for my listeners, Southwest has probably one of the best companion pass offerings in the industry. And I'll go into that in our next episode. But essentially, we can take one person with us for free anywhere we travel on Southwest with obviously there's caveats, you pay the taxes, but because Southwest doesn't charge for bags, you know, it just, it works really well for our family. So the fact that we had 2020 is like our big travel year where we were going to be in Hawaii for three weeks. We didn't pay once, you know, none of the flights, all the flights were covered. We had half of our hotels covered by travel rewards. And then we had a travel eraser card to cover our Airbnb. So it was like, we had all this stuff mapped out. And then Yeah, it was a really devastating cancellation notice for all of those. (laughs) And the great thing about the Southwest um, Companion Pass is that you can use points or cash to pay for that ticket and then get the other one for free. With some of the other credit cards that offer a free companion flight, you have to pay cash for the, the paid flight. Melissa, let's talk through your travel redemption. Any tips for families When you're thinking about redeeming travel rewards, what are things that you keep in mind or how do you approach your travel so that it's travel reward friendly? I think travel rewards for family travel gets a little more tricky because it takes such a huge stash of miles compared to, you know, a single traveler jet setting around the world. It's a little different for us. (laughs) So I actually keep large stashes of flexible travel rewards. And those are your Chase Ultimate Rewards points or your American Express Membership Rewards points or your City Thank You points. And then specific airline miles and hotel points, because I like to have the flexibility. You know, it may be that I can't get four tickets on United because the the tickets just cost too many points. So I might be able to get two on United and two, using Chase Ultimate Rewards points or you know thank you points or what have you. So I think for families, it makes sense to have a good mix of travel rewards points and miles so that you can be flexible if you need to. That's great advice. And you know, I never even thought about combining my airline with my Chase Ultimate Rewards. I usually use one or the other. Yeah, sometimes we're booked on, you know, we're booked different ways, but on the same flight and still sitting together. 
That's great. Yeah, I love just the flexibility. So just kind of a random note that happened in 2020 was because we couldn't fly or we weren't, we ended up renting an RV. And there's some places where it's just not ideal to have an RV. You know, it's like 27, 28 feet or whatever it was. And I was like, but we're going to the Redwoods National Forest. So how am I going to make that work? You know, there's so many places that you couldn't get. But having the flexibility of Chase Ultimate Rewards Points, we were able to rent a car really inexpensively for a day and still do everything we wanted to do and not feel like we were missing out because we had the RV. So I love that flexibility and not feeling like I don't even know if it was a good redemption. I didn't really care because at that time it was greater value for us to be able to see things versus not being going able to see things. So I think having that flexibility is just a really helpful asset to have in your portfolio. Yeah. And that's why I don't think that, you know, worrying about the redemption rate Mm. is so critical. I mean, it's, if you want to do this, then it's a perfect redemption rate for you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. The Choose If I Travel Rewards course is a great resource for someone who is just starting out with travel rewards. It covers so much, like how it works. So basically how you want to travel shapes, how you're going to go after these travel rewards talks about the different travel rewards currencies, like we've mentioned several times, like Chase Ultimate Rewards and um, American Express Membership Rewards, uh, hotel cards, what are some of the best redemptions that you can get with some of these flexible travel rewards currencies, how to meet minimum spends, what to do when the annual fee hits, which is something that we haven't talked about yet. Right. I know a lot of people are very annual fee averse. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I can't blame them. You know, when I first started out, it was like, I would never pay $500 for a travel rewards card. But I do. Right. And I do it because I can get value out of it. And do you want to give an example of one that you do pay 500 and what the value is for you? Yeah. So one of my favorite cards is the American Express Platinum card. It's an expensive card to hold, but I get so much value out of it. I mean, not only does it have a $200 annual airline credit that you can use toward whether it's baggage fees or in-flight meals and drinks, you know, that automatically, if you can use it, if you're traveling, it, it helps cover some of the fee right there. But one of my favorite things about the American Express Platinum Card is its lounge access. I mean, if you're going to travel with your family through an airport and you stop somewhere, it gets expensive mm-hmm. at the airport just trying to feed your family. But if you can go into a lounge, you've saved yourself a good $50 right there. Mm. Yeah, I never thought about that. We haven't done lounges. <laughs> Loun- <laughs> You're teaching me so much. <laughs> yes, lounges Lounges with your kids is pretty fun. They get such a kick out of it. Yeah, Chase Sapphire Reserve also has a high fee on it. And in addition to the travel reimbursement, I think it might even be it's either 200 or 300 the insurance is really helpful and yes the tsa pre-check redemption or reimbursement so we can kind of hop through some of the lines i probably will glow go with global entry once we're traveling internationally but right now we're at the the pre-check level and that is even helpful to have that resource available yeah if you're able to go ahead and go for global entry and if you get enough of these cards that offer global entry get one for your entire family you know, even if you're still traveling domestically these days, kids under 12, I think it's under 12, it's either under 12 or under 13, are able to travel with you through TSA PreCheck. But once they hit that age, they can't go through PreCheck with you anymore, but they can get their own global entry hmm. card or their TSA PreCheck. But yeah, I, my kids, all they have global entry. Nice. 
we all have it. And so we all are able to travel through TSA pre-check without a problem anymore. Yeah, Melissa, I just realized we're using lingo that some people might not understand. Can you explain what is TSA pre-check? So TSA pre-check, it's a secure traveler program that TSA has. It's a lane where you're already a trusted traveler. So you get to go through the lanes that are faster because they're shorter, but you also don't have to do things like take off your shoes or take off your belt or necessarily take everything out of your bag to be screened separately. And it just makes for a quicker process. And when you're traveling with small kids, the easier that you can make it, the better. Anything you can do to not have them take off their shoes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know how long that takes to get them to put shoes back on again. <laughs> that and like getting everything out of the bags, like the tablets and the food and the, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I had it all packed yeah. perfectly. So I agree. And then global entry. Do you want to describe that really briefly? Yeah. So global entry is kind of the same thing. It's a speedier route to go through customs immigration back into the United States when you're when you've been on an international trip. If you've done that before, you go to passport control and there is a huge long line that you wait in for quite a while. And if especially if you have a connecting flight, like if you've come from overseas and you hit your US port of entry, you have to go through customs before you get to your next flight. And so this helps you speed along, especially if you have that short connection. Again, it's a trusted traveler program. It's just there's fewer people in the line and it's a little quicker when you're getting interviewed by the agent to go on your way. Yeah, it's super helpful. Efficiency tips, right? (laughs) Anything to get through those airports faster is, is super helpful. Is there anything else related to travel rewards that you think we missed or that I should ask about that you wanted to highlight in this episode? You know, the only other thing that we didn't talk about was the travel eraser cards. I know that you mentioned those. Um, So those are uh, cards that you earn points for, but you don't necessarily go and spend them on United or at Marriott. You you have those points in your account. And once you make a travel related purchase, then after the fact, you can go into your credit card account and apply those points and effectively erase that charge from your credit card. So it's not quite as flexible as, say, cash back, where you can just remove that money and put it into your own bank account. But it's another way to spend on travel, but have it be the most flexible way of doing it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it's really for as long as it codes as a travel expense. Yeah. And so we use the travel eraser card pretty often, actually. We used it with our RV rental this summer, but we've also used it for things like Disney. I'm kind of not the Disney expert, but we, you can <laughs> use them for anything that codes as travel in your statement. Right. So it's sometimes nice to go back and look if you are aware of what codes is travel in your credit card statement, it essentially can just wipe it out and you choose it. So it doesn't automatically do it. Right. Yeah. Those travel eraser cards are really popular for trips to Disney World because if you purchase your tickets for Disney through uh, an outfit called Undercover Tourist, the purchases do code as travel through them. But if you purchase directly from Disney itself, they're coded as entertainment or something. So a lot of people like those travel eraser cards specifically for Disney World tickets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really nice. You alluded to one thing related to cruises, and I'm not an expert. In fact, I don't even know that we've talked about cruises on the show. Do you want to just kind of talk through why do cruises work for your family? It is definitely my preferred method of travel. (laughs) I think it's probably the most relaxing vacation that I can take with my family. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm the one that does all of the vacation planning. Yes. Anywhere we go, it's all on me. So A cruise just makes that job so much easier. Get on the ship. There's already an itinerary. You know where you're going to go. 
So I plan out what we're going to do in each of the port calls. Usually I've hired a local guide to take us somewhere that I've read about or, you know, a site or do some activity. So that's already all planned out before we even board the ship. So those port days meet my need for being adventurous and going and doing something fun and exciting. While my husband's idea of a vacation is taking a nap (laughs) whenever he wants. (laughs) So the sea days are great for that. He gets to take a nap in the afternoon if he wants. And then there's always something going on on the ship. So I can go and do something else while he's taking his nap. Or I can go play miniature golf with the kids. Yeah, I love it. And I think cruises have also given my kids a sense of independence and freedom. Ever since our first cruise, I have been teaching them how to navigate the ship so that they could always find where they need to go. If they wanted to go to the buffet or go to the kids club or, you know, go play shuffleboard or go to the pool or water slide, you know, whatever it is, they know how to get where they're going. Uh, They can find their way back to our cabin without an issue. And once they were able to do that, they've had free reign. You know, they can go and do what they want to do. You know, we still have a lot of family time together, but they're not spending all of their time with us. They've got some freedom to go and explore and do what they want. Yeah, I love that. And your kids are older now, correct? Yes, they are 14 and 12 now. I might need to put that back into like my thought process because I hadn't thought about the ability to get off at port and not being with everybody. You know, that flexibility. I think if I embraced those local port calls as our adventures and our untourism, so to speak, experiences, it could actually be, I can see the value of it much more now in talking with you than I probably had in the past. You don't have to do the excursions that are offered through the ship. In fact, we almost never do those excursions because they are... They tend to be crowded, a little more, you know, cattle called, and your, your time's not your own. Mm-hmm. So I prefer doing things with a much smaller group of people or with just our family. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Melissa, for taking the time to talk through just all the various nuances and considerations as families, in particular families, explore if travel reward strategy has a place in their adventure story. I really appreciate all those insights that you shared with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. So many awesome things to take away from this episode. I have 10 key takeaways for you today. But before I go there, does anybody remember the Pearl Harbor movie? Oh, that was such a moment for me when she was mentioning having the premiere on a Navy carrier. Oh, that would have been awesome. Number one, Travel rewards through credit cards actually make your credit score go up. A large factor in your credit score is credit utilization. If you open credit cards and pay the cards in full each month, you will have a low credit utilization rate and actually improve your credit score. Travel rewards should only be considered if you are able to pay the balance in full every month. Number two, have a plan to meet the minimum spend requirements before you apply for the card. Also make sure you know the date that the minimum spend needs to be met by. Number three, credit card companies have their own lingo and unwritten rules, such as Chase, which is known for its 524 rule. This rule implies that you can only have five credit cards opened in a 24-month period. Any credit card is included in this limit, and it also includes authorized users. So be aware what you are opening when. Number four, if you have a specific trip in mind, you'll want to create a strategy to account for all of the aspects of the trip, including airfare, accommodations, and ground transportation. It's ideal to have a mix of cards that are co-branded and flexible. Number five, the best redemption rate is the one that works best for your family. 
Number six, start with a little research to frame what your questions are. Then join Facebook groups or take free online courses that are designed for travel rewards, such as the Chooseify Travel Rewards course. There's just a lot of resources and people are willing to help. Number seven, a strategy for family travel rewards is to keep a combination of flexible travel rewards points, such as Chase Ultimate Rewards, Amex membership points, or City Thank You points, and a co-branded airline or hotel rewards. This will allow you to mix and match or transfer points if needed. Number eight, cards with annual fees can offer high value and might be worth maintaining. Many of these cards offer a high dollar travel credit, around two to $300, free airport lounge access, which might mean free meals, Travel insurance, TSA pre-check, or global entry are just some of the perks that are all important to consider when traveling as a family. Number nine, travel eraser cards will allow you to erase charges that code as travel. Some of the common non-branded travel experiences include undercover tourist tickets to Disney, RV rentals, or Airbnb stays. Number 10, Cruises allow for local adventures at the ports of call while reducing the overall planning and allowing accommodations for every member of your family. Allowing kids to have some sense of independence and choose what they want to do while not having to spend all the time together as a family. I'm hearing the teenagers in that comment. As a follow-up to this episode, as I alluded to a couple of times, our next episode next week is actually going to take you through our travel reward strategy and where we are at and what we've accomplished as a family of five. So stay tuned for next week. Melissa was such a wealth of resources. I linked to the show notes the free Choose FI travel rewards course that she mentioned and discussed a little bit about as well as all of her contact information. So if you're interested in following up with Melissa Lagerquist, she is a wealth of knowledge. I am so fortunate that she was able to be on the show. I hope you all are able to find a little piece of travel rewards in your future adventure story. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.